Hello, this is Ariane, and this is Hello Submarine, the podcast where we deep dive random fringe politics and the like. Um, This is episode one, very first episode ever. We will be deep diving the Freedom Convoy of 2022 in Canada. Uh, We are in Canada. We are in Halifax, Nova Scotia, specifically. I will be joined by Dylan, who will be a very frequent guest on the podcast, and we'll be getting into it, and we'll try to get to the bottom of the whole thing, and that might not be possible, (laughs) but we're gonna, we're gonna try to compile some of this information. Things have been a little hard to pin down. It hasn't been incredibly easy to find all the facts and figure out the timeline. So we're going to do our best to make sense of the whole thing because, you know, what else can you do? So without further ado, uh, let's get into the conversation. Do you want to say anything about yourself, Dylan? I'm Dylan. We are located in Halifax here, Nova Scotia, Canada. This is our first episode, and it's very much going to be a trial and error procedure. Um, We are deep diving the Freedom Convoy, so this should be fun. Um, We wanted to take, we wanted to go through the timeline of what happened between when the convoy started and when it, I guess, ended. It's kind of still going on, though and information is still coming in. Yeah. Do you want to say anything about our efforts and how things have felt kind of difficult to nail down? Yeah, there's a, a lot of conflicting information, and it's it's actually surprisingly difficult to get the right information on certain things. Uh, there's some dates and some facts, but the details are a bit fuzzy. Uh, certainly, mm-hmm. with, regard, with regard to the leaders and the purpose of the protest and yep. the response to it as well uh, is all very confusing. And so this is our attempt to make sense of it all, I yep. suppose. Yeah, that's what we're going to try to do. Um, do you want to start talking about the organizers first before we jump into the timeline? Do we want to talk about the vaccine mandates at all? Yeah, sure. I think it'd be a good idea to start with the vaccine mandate itself. So what is your understanding of the vaccine mandates as they came into effect at the beginning of the pandemic, as they've kind of evolved? Yeah. So laws in Canada, for those not living in Canada, have been constantly fluctuating, changing throughout the pandemic. Understandably so. It's kind of a hard situation to navigate. We're not journalists, so we don't have 100% all the facts on this. So take it all with a grain of salt. However, there was recently a mandate, it was, what was it, January 14, uh, January 15, uh, where anyone crossing the border from Canada to the U.S. or vice versa had to be vaccinated. And this means that the 10% or up to 15, 15%, I think, in Alberta of truckers who weren't vaccinated suddenly had no jobs whatsoever, were unemployed. Um, so. Okay. So that was kind of, I don't want to say where it started, because I think this has been bubbling under the surface for a long time. We'll get into that when we talk about some of the organizers 
Um, is there anything else you want to say about the mandates before? Yeah, so one thing I'd like to point out is that the vaccination process for Pfizer, at least, is, is a three-week, four-week, five-week sometimes process, right? Between both doses. I and think so- it was longer. Is it? Well, in Saskatchewan, they were making us wait like three months i think that long okay when i got mine it was around five weeks i think they after time they started to shorten the period that you could wait because they just wanted everyone to get vaccinated and so part of the problem is well let's say the government suddenly hammers down this mandate that you need a vaccine and you have a job as a trucker tomorrow well you're just out of work for a couple of months and so you suddenly have 10 percent of the working class out of jobs and truckers make up a big percentage of the working class in Canada and do very, very important work in Canada. So that was that was really maybe not a good move on Canada's part. Maybe a little under thought through. Exactly. In terms of what the, the real consequences were going to be. Right. Um, okay, so let's chat a little bit about the organizers. Um, I got into this, you know, and... There's a number of people. We maybe aren't going to name everybody, but um, I want to talk about sort of the major players. First up, we'll talk about Tamara Lich, who is... She's the biggest name. She's the mother of the convoy, if you will. The mother hen. <laughs> um, so I'm going to read it. I'm going to read a short paragraph from the Ottawa Citizen article, Who is Tamara Lich? The spark that lit the fire. <laughs> um, are you ready? Okay. Petite, blonde, and standing barely five feet tall, Lich is a former fitness instructor and sings and plays guitar in a medicine hat bar band called Blind Monday. (laughs) She is a mother, grandmother, and claims Métis heritage. The Saskatchewan native was living in Medicine Hat when she became politically active three years ago with Wexit, which, uh, sidebar, Wexit is a thing, um, which later merged into the Wild Rose Independence Party of Alberta. When Lich and her husband moved to Manitoba, she left Wild Rose and joined the fringe and fledgling Maverick Party as an original member of its governing council. So I then went and looked into the Maverick Party. This is more or less a Western separatist movement, but they're not terribly committal about the separatism. So, um, it, it's Is it Alberta and Saskatchewan and Manitoba, Manitoba and they want to separate from the rest of Canada? Yeah, and basically the thing that holds them back, I mean, is probably just support, but also BC has no interest in it. And yeah. it would make no sense for them to not have like a port, you know, like a place yeah, yeah, where they yeah. could receive imports and that sort of thing. So right. it's a bit of a pipe dream, I think, <laughs> for now. To say the least. Uh-huh. I want to play a clip here. Uh, from the Maverick Party website. It's kind of like a About Us video that I found extremely funny. Uh, Pay attention to the music, uh, if you don't mind. Rather than abiding by the dictates from Ottawa, Maverick believes all four Western provinces should work together to make their own decisions. My friends, we've tried for well over a hundred years to educate folks in the East about our Western way of life and the injustices we're subjected to because of our flawed confederation. The truth is, too few of them care. It's time we accepted that fact. That means it's time we made a plan to control our own destiny. We must send an unmistakable signal to Ottawa 
and all those east of Manitoba that this time we're serious. How do we do that? Independence must be an option. That is not necessarily independence, but independence if necessary. We must boldly chart a new course. We must have the courage to embrace the unknown. In short, we must truly become mavericks. Okay, so that was that was the video on the main page of the Maverick website. I'll also just note that their uh, their web page says the word Maverick, and the I is is an exclamation point spelled with the letter or the word the word freedom is the letter I. But it's upside down. <laughs> Sideways. <laughs> anyway, check this out. Google this if you're interested. It's it's. Can we uh, provide links in the podcast description? I'll put these in the show notes for you so you can have fun. You can laugh at this logo if you want to. Um, So that's Maverick. So this is where Tamara Lich uh, worked for a while. And in February 2022, she resigns to devote herself full time to the trucker's convoy. So this is her life's work. Like she is constantly moving around. She was born for this. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so then a bit it's of... It's also worth noting, I think, the Yellow Jackets. Oh, I was about to, yeah. Okay. Right. So in 2019, she was previously involved in uh, the Yellow Vests protests, Vest. where she was a major, a major organizer. Um, they were primarily against carbon taxes introduced by the Trudeau government, but according to the Wikipedia article, they eventually ended up incorporating a bunch of xenophobic messaging and are considered to be an alt-right extremist hate group. Yeah. Wikipedia also mentions... Primarily focused on anti-immigration, anti-Islam, anti-Semitic, and white supremacist rhetoric. I actually thought it was very interesting that the Wikipedia article mentioned anti-immigration. Because mm. part of the whole Freedom Convoy is About moving. moving between <laughs> right. between countries. Yeah. yeah. So that was that stuck out to me. Well, I mean, the Yellow Vest protests were before the pandemic, right? So yeah, it would have yeah, been yeah. before they even knew what it would mean to, like, not right. have access to the borders. So, yeah, good point. Um, and then there was the United We Roll convoy, which was, I think, the original sort of truckers convoy. Um, here's a quote from a CBC News article entitled, United We Roll Convoy, 100% Successful <laughs> as Organizer, Despite Concerns Over Funds Raised. <laughs> These titles. Um, They're so corny. I'm going to have to get better at speaking through my laughter. Um, The group has said its chief complaint was that this, sorry, quote, the group has said its chief complaint was that the federal government's energy and environmental policies are hurting Alberta's belligerent, beleaguered, what is that word? Belligerent? I think beleaguered are hurting Alberta's beleaguered oil and gas sector, but members also protested the liberal government more broadly, globalism, and migration. So once again, we're looking at immigration here. Right. Yeah. So her whole thing seems to be that the Western provinces are at the mercy of the Eastern provinces because there's more voters in the East, and therefore the government doesn't pay attention to the needs and the demands of the West. Fair enough, to some extent. And just as a side note, she is also apparently on the radar of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network or the CAHN, which, uh, you know, registers kind of these groups and their and their organizers. And I don't know what it means to be on their radar, but it, it certainly seems to mean something. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
so that's Tamara Litch. Did you have anything you want to add about her? Uh, no, she's an interesting figure. Um, it, it's I'm always very confused about what she's supposedly supposedly wrapped up in with the Maverick and the Yellow Vest protests because based on things she said, these groups don't necessarily seem to advocate her personal views. So either she was a part of a group, group that didn't advocate her personal views or she's changed her views or these groups don't actually advocate the views that people say they do. Like some things don't line up. I think with these groups too, it sometimes feels like it's a it's multiple different interests that yeah, come yeah, yeah. together. It's a group of people who mm-hmm. kind of have some esoteric opinions on some things. Right. Yeah. And some of them are like not too problematic and they're fine. And then other ones are very problematic. And then I guess you get into the question of like, should you be rallying together if, right. if you do have xenophobic rhetoric in your right. overarching group? And one important thing theme, I think, with the Freedom Convoy is that there are many alt-right people involved that have differing rhetorical views with white supremacy and what have you, but they are differing views that they're mainly united by kind of a political opinion and that not all of them have a white supremacist view or a Nazi view or, you know, you can't just brand them all as a communist party or anything like that. Right. No, it's not that simple. I think one of the things that was so interesting about this is how many different groups did get involved. Right. And that was confusing for people because when you see a swastika in a protest, it's fucking alarming, right? It's very alarming or a Confederate flag. Sure. Yeah. And it's very easy to um, assume that that's sort of the whole point of the protest rather than there's probably... Or there's potentially just a number of people that but are... But the people who had the swastikas or the Confederate flags were an extreme minority. Right. Yeah. They that... were a part of it, but I don't know if that was the, the view of the whole group. Yeah, and it's interesting to watch the reporting on this because you see these articles sort of make these overarching statements about... The alt-right is doing this. The alt-right's doing this, or like, this was Nazis, and it's like, well... Like, they were there. Yes and no. Yes and no, yeah. It's definitely not something to ignore, but it's also, we can't just, we can't just label an entire group of people. I mean, a, the conversation about whether you should protest with Nazis, that's valid, but that's right. not what we're here to talk about. Right. So, yeah. Don't protest with Nazis. We're here, folks. <laughs> um. So then... The guy who started the Freedom Convoy of 2022 was James Bowder. I hope I'm saying his last name right. Um, He is a far-right activist and QAnon conspiracy theorist. And he is with Canada Unity. Can you tell us a bit about that, Dylan? I cannot. (laughs) Okay, let me take us to the the webpage. Oh, right, this one. Right, yeah. So... um, he, so he started with Canada Uni- Unity. It looks like James and Sandra Bowder, perhaps that's his wife. They run it. Very confusing shit. I'm going to read their kind of mission it, statement. Yeah, Canada-Unity.ca. Yeah, check that out. So th- this is where James Bowder comes from. Um, so this is their mission statement. Our mission is to find and promote the common bonds of unity that our great creator shares. Our belief is that despite all of the differences that we have allowed to define us, period, (laughs) Canada shares common struggles and triumphs. It is time, whoever you are, whatever your political, religious, race, or gender orientation, we know that you have a story to tell that will touch someone's heart. 
If you have a story of triumphs, struggles, woes, or any other challenges, just know we stand with you. This is so vague. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can look at this website. It's the mission statement is a little bit. Yeah, there's also CanadaUni.ca slash bear hug. And I don't know what this is. There's also a mission statement here. Let's... It says it's a humanitarian effort. I don't know what that really means it's it says bear hug bc is a humanitarian effort to bring the truth to the public to unite canadians in the truth we have been divided through the false narratives that are being fed through the media and we seek to combat those narratives with our own message of love truth and transparency so this is looking like some you know probably just base level conspiracy theory yeah, stuff where like you know that we aren't being told the truth and all this gets really complicated because it's like we often aren't being told the truth and it is very hard to parse the information yeah, with all the different... absolutely. Right, so... <clears throat> but he is, you know, according to an article I read that I will, of course, link with all of our other resources, he is a QAnon conspiracy theorist. I'm not sure yeah. if he has, like, self-proclaimed that or not, though. I do want to mention, it's worth noting here, he says, we intend to engage in peaceful and lawful protesting. And it does sound from, like, the types of mission statements that that's yeah. the... If you look at the general yeah. leaders of this Freedom Convoy, they're not inciting violence or... Well, those two aren't, maybe. Okay, these two aren't. Um, so I want to talk about Chris Barber next. Okay. Not... Does he incite violence? He's the one that... Um, so he... He's a trucker from Saskatchewan. He's got a TikTok following. And some of his rhetoric, he compares COVID masks to uh, or the mandates up around them to North Korea. Um, and he also, he makes a lot of videos in his home where he has a Confederate flag hanging up. Yeah. And he talks openly about the Confederate flag and how people should get over it. It's who, just who a piece this? of cloth. This is Chris Barber. Chris Barber. So he is you know, uh, participating in spreading, like, at least the symbolism yeah, yeah, yeah. of the Confederacy. and. Do you know who uh, Pat King is? No, tell me. So he's another leader, and he was... There's a video on YouTube, we can link it, of him getting arrested. He was live-streaming while he was getting arrested for offensive mischief. Um, sorry, counseling to commit the offensive mischief counseling to obstruct police and counseling to commit the offense of destroying a court order so disobeying a court order sorry mm -hmm. and so he was basically arrested for peddling information that the government really did not like however um it's noted that other convoy leaders started to distance themselves from pat king okay and this was uh i can slight ottawa citizen dot Dot com. Yeah. They they said okay. they cited that. They said that Pat King was no longer like an influential figure at a certain point. Okay. Okay. So these people that are kind of peddling certain ideas aren't really being accepted by the whole convoy necessarily. Okay. They're a minority. Yes, and there and there still does seem to be um a subset of them, you know, with the large TikTok followings, uh what have you, that that do seem to be very much in the white supremacist uh, demographic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's there. It's, uh, it's, it's there. there for sure. It's there. We just we just want to be careful about, you know, applying that label to people that maybe don't deserve it. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of the major players that I looked into. I'm sure that there are more, you know, when you get into like the social media of it all. But There's probably plenty. But I think for now, let's... These let's are the ones that make the news. Yeah, that's These right. These are the names that make the news. 
so we want to talk about the timeline. So let's get into that. Sure. Um, January 15th is when the vaccine mandate came into effect for specifically truckers. Um, so on... On January 15th, so this is from Global News, Trudeau's government announced in November that all Canadian truckers looking to cross the border from the United States would need to be vaccinated in order to avoid a 14-day quarantine. But when the policy came into effect on January 15th, many truckers and politicians came out against the mandate. So this is the beginning of the end. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> this, is, this is the beginning of people being like, no, we, yeah, don't, yeah. we don't like this. Okay. Right. On January 23rd, the convoy message begins to spread via social media. Um, so this is where we have our, you know, major organizers kind of reaching out for support and saying like, we want to head to Ottawa and do this thing. Um, on January 24th, the convoy actually departs for Ottawa and Justin Trudeau, I guess, speaks out against it. And I, I don't have anything <laughs> next to my that, notes. That was when he first speaks out. There's a video on him. The, do, the news... do you know what he said? Yeah, this is when he started saying how he doesn't support the Freedom Convoy and they're doing illegal things and they're spreading inf misinformation and they're anti-science. Oh, wait. I think he said they're anti-science. And you're sure that's the time? And it was, this was when it was reported. This is the, the YouTube video was dated like January 24th. So it was, it was probably close. Okay. It was, okay. it's probably within a day at least. So he was, he was right away sort of speaking out against the convoy yeah. as soon as it was sort of public knowledge that it was happening. Right. So January 28th is when the convoy actually begins to arrive in Ottawa. And at first, the presence is relatively small and things feel peaceful for the most part. Um, so the weekend of January 29th and 30th, which is the Saturday and the Sunday, thousands more protesters join the convoy. Um, other things that happen, Shepherds of Good Hope, that's a soup kitchen in downtown Ottawa, experiences a bunch of harassment from the convoy. They post on Twitter and they proceed to get over $750,000 in donations over the course of two weeks um, from people in support of them and, you know, not in support of the convoy. Mm. Um, and it was noted that Canadian flags were present, Confederate flags, flags were present, and swastika flags were, pres were present, and again... Not clear in what numbers these things were present, but I've seen a couple Confederate yeah. flags. I've yeah. seen one. There hasn't there hasn't been a ton of evidence that like that was sort of the major presence. At no. All. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, for what it's worth, there could be these people with you know extremist beliefs yeah. in the shadows yeah. that just use the Freedom Convoy as an excuse to kind of come up and be like, Absolutely. oh yeah, yeah, look, I'm a, uh, I'm a Nazi and for sure, like I think that's right. actually like probably way more common than you think. Like some, yeah, yeah. some people are truly just bored and have watched too many action yeah. movies and are just ready to go, you know? Yeah, they've been on 4chan a little bit too long. Right. Yeah. And it's just like they see people out on the streets and they're like, I would like to get my gun out and yep. my swastika flag and I would and like to get, join that. Yeah. Yeah, and they get the flag out and then all of a sudden you have the news reporting like, oh, look, Nazis. <laughs> yeah. But it's just the one guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Right. So thousands more join. The soup kitchen happens. The flags happen. Um, the downtown core is blocked over this weekend. The Rideau Center, which is a large shopping mall in Ottawa, closes. A bunch of other businesses close because people are coming in and refusing to follow protocol. So it's just chaotic. Nobody's wearing masks. Um, these, these large businesses are closing in the downtown core. Um, this is uh, probably many of you saw this circulating, a protester dancing and yelling for freedom on the tomb of the unknown soldier yeah. in downtown Ottawa. 
the Terry Fox statue gets adorned with anti-vaccine propaganda. For those who don't know, Terry Fox is a, a oh. hero among Canadians for mm. running a marathon and not completing it, but trying. Mm-hmm. While he had cancer. Right. So yeah. there's a good excuse for that. Yeah. He, 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 his goal was to run across the entire country. And he started in Nova Scotia and he got to Ontario. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. He made it a good long way. He, made, he, he did yeah. really, really well. And anyway, to definite they didn't defamate the terry fox statue but to do something to his terry fox statue is kind of a big deal for canadians it's like not good yes uh and and he was also adorned with a defaced canadian flag so just the it was a malicious intent yeah it wasn't a good image it wasn't a good look (laughs) um and this is the day or the weekend that trudeau openly claims the convoy has anti-science views okay so that's the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to head into the week of February 1st. Again, it's worth noting, uh, and this was cited by the New York Times, that the police reported no incidents, of, literally no incidents of violence up up until a certain date. I, I want to say around the week of January 20s, around there, there were no violence whatsoever. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, it was it was clearly very disruptive. When we say there was no violence, what we mean is there was no, like... Uh, Physical. Yeah, there was no burning of property. It was just... People yeah. were being noisy and disruptive, certainly. Yeah. Um, so the week of February 1st, on the Monday, um, the Ottawa City Hall, the Rink of Dreams, which is a <laughs> ice skating rink outside of Parliament in Ottawa, for those who haven't been there, and the Ottawa's public library, both the main branch and the Rudeau branch, close. So a bunch of shit in the downtown core closes. Um, these are not businesses. These are like the city hall and shit. Um, Trudeau refuses to meet with the organizers due to hateful anti-science messaging. Um, the mayor of Ottawa says that the threat of violence is too large to forcibly remove protesters. So this is kind of where they're weighing their options about sending in the police and deciding that it's probably they probably don't have enough people to do that and effectively remove the protesters um on the wednesday of that week peter slowly who is the ottawa chief of police admits that he does not have a policing solution for the convoy um and this is where canada's kind of just left watching and wondering what the fuck anyone is going to do about this because the end is not in sight um, on the Thursday of that week, leaders insisted that they w- insisted that they would stay until their demands were met, um, and their demands are quote ending all mandates and restrictions on our freedoms unquote. That is Tamara Lich. Um, I think that was from a press conference that she was speaking in. Anything to add about our first week of the convoy? Not for me. Okay, so this is uh, keeping in mind. This is. Uh, Lots of honking, lots of noise pollution, lots of blocking of the downtown city core yeah. and the residential neighborhoods that exist there. So it was, it was very, very disruptive for the people living it's there. It's unclear to me how much they intended to block the traffic and how much there were just so many trucks in the city. And so the traffic was naturally blocked because it, of people parking and, sure. and such. It's, but that's just one point to make. And it did. It did feel like the vibe was we don't care that we're blocking. That, yeah, that definitely right? was. Like yeah. it, it didn't feel like they were very. They concerned. were not supportive of the Canadian government mm-hmm. at this point. They and they wanted to make that clear in yeah. Ottawa. So the week of the February, the week of February fourth, police come up with a plan to surge and contain um, more officers in residential neighborhoods, more barricades, more warnings. This is kind of the what they mean by surge and contain. 
Um, this is the day that the GoFundMe is shut down. This is the one, uh, the major one by Tamara Lich. There was $10 million in the GoFundMe. The platform actually was the ones who said that the convoy is going against our terms of use. They are inciting violence and hateful messaging, and therefore we're going to shut down this GoFundMe. And basically what they did was they stopped from allowing uh, new donations and they refunded everybody who'd already made donations. So if I was GoFundMe, I also wouldn't want to be involved in this. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, no thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a lot of drama. So GoFundMe says no thank you, uh, takes a step back, refunds everyone their money. So really no harm done, right? Everyone, nobody lost money. It just was that they were refusing to allow the convoy to collect money on their platform. Right. But anyone could have, you know, found another way to get the money to yep. the convoy. Um, so on February 5th, uh, there is a party, a large party on Parliament Hill. There are fireworks, there are bouncy castles, there is barbecues. And the chair of police of services board describes Ottawa as under siege. On February 6th, Mayor Jim Watson declares a state of emergency, saying that this is the most serious emergency our city has ever faced. Police removed vehicles and one tanker of fuel from a baseball stadium parking lot on Coventry Road where protests were parked and staying and making a home camp. Um, on February 7th, Chief Slowly, again, that's the head of police of Ottawa, asks for 1,800 more officers. This is double his current force. So he's looking to expand uh, his resources. The Ottawa judge uh, grants an interim injunction to silence the horns. So they're trying to do something about uh, the noise pollution in the downtown core. Um, and this is also the day on February 7th that the convoy begins blocking the Ambassador Bridge. And we're going to talk about that a little bit because that had a big effect on imports and exports between the Canadian and U.S. border. What are we at right now? February 7th. Okay. So this was the day that the, uh, what we wanted to say was we actually couldn't find the specific date that the bridge got blocked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we think it was around the 7th or the 8th of February because we know. It lasted around six or seven days. We know that and we know that on. It was clear on February 14 or 13. Yeah. I w on February 13th, we know that it was cleared. And we know that it started about six days before that. So we know that the Ambassador Bridge was blocked for six days. So this is a bridge between Canada and the United States. Um, this is like a huge spot for our yeah. imports, exports. Um, Some 30%. The bridge accounts for nearly 30% of annual trade between Canada and the U.S., accounting amounting to a trade value of U.S. $323 million daily. The bridge is used by more than 40,000 commuters. Right, so tourists. blocking this bridge is a very, very big deal. Yeah, it was a big, big disruption for six days. Um, yeah. Big problem. It's not difficult <clears throat> to see at all why the government would absolutely hate this. Right, There, it was like annoying, Like, being annoying in Ottawa is one thing, mm -hmm. but blocking the Ambassador Bridge is absolutely humongous. yeah. Yeah, like, what did you say? Like, billions of dollars were Well, think about it. Six days, $300 yeah. million dollars a day. Yeah. Approximately $2 billion. American. Yeah. Getting stuck at the border, yeah. Right. Okay, so, yeah, that was, uh, that was problematic. So, on February 8th, there was a big focus on social media of children among the convoy protesters. 
the police were noting that they were having a really hard time dealing with uh, the protesters because they were like putting their kids out, right? Like they were really using right. their kids to block the police, which was quite a tactic. That's um, probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's not morally uh, upright per se to do that. I don't think that's yeah. just my take, but. Yeah, the kids don't really know what's going on. They haven't formed their opinions yet. To put yeah. the kids up against the police is, uh, I don't know about that one. Yeah. Freedom Convoy guys. <laughs> um, and the honking, uh, I will note here, the honking continues despite the injunction. Uh, the injunction didn't really work. I think it yeah, yeah. sort of worked, not for, like, for yeah. very short periods, but. Yeah, what date are we at? February 10th. So on February 10th, there was a big disruption at the Ottawa airport. Um, I don't have anything else to add. Yeah, I heard uh, I heard a bunch of things. I, I can't say a lot definitively, but there's some news articles like people stealing luggage, people disrupting the airport. Okay. Yeah. With, I didn't hear that. And through lots of different means. I can't take that with a grain of salt. Look it up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. There, there was a, a kerfuffle at the airport. There was a kerfuffle. <laughs> Um, on February 11th, Doug Ford, who's the premier of Ontario, Ontario, declares a state of emergency province-wide. Despite warnings and fines being increased, protests plowed onward. Donors to the Freedom Convoy were also leaked online and reported on by Vice. Yeah, so there's a, there's a Vice article on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So February 12th saw uh, a concert in the downtown core. So they are really quite organized. And this was also the day that the hot tub <laughs> made its appearance. Yeah, I, I see that in your notes here, hot tub, and I'm not really sure what that means. Oh, it just was pictures circulating on social media of like people, I think there was a couple of guys in the downtown core um, put up an inflatable, I think it was an inflatable, some sort of portable hot tub. Okay. And we're just sitting in it, right? It, it was kind of just like a, it was like a big middle finger. It was okay. just like, here we are. Here's nice. our hot tub. Like, we're having nice. We live here now. That like, is the most Canadian protest. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can just think about, like, the fucking grossness of that water. Just, <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck would get in that? But um, And also on February 12th, interestingly, counter protests began to pop up. Um, they were marching through the Glebe neighborhood of Ottawa, which is kind of like a ritzy neighborhood in Ottawa. Um, near downtown. Uh, and this is also the day that the police set up an integrated command center with the provincial and federal police. And this is a day apparently where they cleared the ambassador bridge. So they must have somehow at this point had enough support. Did they clear it on February 12th? And it just didn't last? Because it was unclear on the, thir the 13th. I might have got that wrong. The dates are kind of fuzzy. The dates are fuzzy, and that's we really want to um, make that clear that this is, at this point in time, with this being not so far in the past, it's a little bit hard to sort of decipher what yeah. happened when. Um, okay, February 13th. An impromptu blockade of counter-protesters stopped more vehicles, uh, presumably from the convoy, from entering into downtown Ottawa. So there was some community efforts of, of blocking the convoy from making a bigger mess downtown. 
It looks like the convoy leaders made some sort of deal with the government to move trucks or with the police. I don't know who they made this deal with to move the trucks from the residential neighborhoods. The impact of this was unclear, but there was a deal that was was made. Um, yeah, and this this might have been the day that the uh, Ambassador Bridge was cleared. So on February 14th, Trudeau invokes an, the Emergencies Act um, from the Wikipedia article. The uh, quote, the Emergencies Act is a statute passed by the Parliament of Canada in 1988, which authorizes the government of yeah. Canada to take extraordinary temporary measures to respond to public welfare emergencies. It's worth noting this act has never been put to use since it was yeah. put into le legislation. So this yeah. is the first time in 50 years that this has ever been employed, this act. Right. 50 years? What do you mean? 1988? Yeah, since... That's yeah. not been 50 years since 1988. Almost 50 years. No, it's been 30 years since 1988. <laughs> I'm 32. I was born in 89, so... Anyway, as part of the Emergency Act that was invoked, um, this is where we started to see the bank accounts freezing. And we are going to get into a little bit more of this later, but I do want to play a clip from Christia Freeland. She's the Deputy Prime Minister of Canada, basically the Vice President, if you're not in Canada and don't know how that works. Um, and that will hopefully illustrate a little bit about the government's position on the 14th and 15th of February. So here's the clip. Um, in terms of the financial measures, uh, the RCMP has given to the financial institutions names of leaders and organizers of the protests and of people whose trucks were part of occupations and blockades. That is the only information according to the RCMP, that the RCMP has given to financial institutions. I think it's also really important for everyone to be clear, and this speaks to the getting our facts straight point, that these measures applied only as of the 15th of February. That is when financial support of these illegal blockades and occupations began to be sanctioned. Uh, and then finally, let me say, uh, for anyone who is concerned that their accounts may have been frozen because of their participation in these illegal blockades and occupation, the way to get your account unfrozen is to stop being part of the blockade and occupation. This is, this, these measures were put in place to disrupt illegal activity in Canada. And, you know, we were very clear last Monday that we would be following the money, that we would be using financial tools to disrupt illegal blockades and occupations. The focus absolutely has been on leaders and on the vehicles that were such an important part of the illegal blockades and occupations. That has been the only focus of law enforcement. Thank you. So basically what this is illustrating is that the RCMP worked with the government and worked with the financial institutions to shut down the bank accounts of the leaders and I guess the people who um, were driving particular trucks that were of note in the convoy. Um, 
it is still a little bit vague. You know, it's it's still not saying exactly who meets the criteria, like what what constitutes a leader, what constitutes a you know a, a trucker who with a significant truck. You know, it's um it's still vague and it's still fuzzy. Like how much power was given to the bank, or was it the RCMP who had the final say, or was it the government who had the final say? Um, yeah, just all really hazy. And we are going to talk about this later. We're really going to get into this because this is an important part of the discussion is the freezing of the bank accounts. Um, so we'll do that. And for now, just keep in mind that this is, this is a big part of the conversation. So on February the 15th, three weeks after the uh, convoy rolls into Ottawa, Peter Slowly, the chief of police, resigns. He has had enough. He's done. He's tired. He leaves the police force. Um, and Which is really funny. Right. It just kind of, like, <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for him, but it's kind of funny. I mean, you can just imagine. He just, it was, it was clearly a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was clearly not ready or equipped or uh, prepared to handle this. And I mean, who would be? So. Right. Um, an interim leader is put in place. This is from CBC News. Um, quote, one day after Ottawa's police chief resigned in the midst of historic civil unrest, city council voted to overhaul the police board and remove chair Diane Deans in a meeting full of high drama and vitriolic accusations. The surprise move was labeled as a way to restore public trust nearly three weeks into the protests that have rocked the Capitol. Uh, at this point, what was your sense around February 15th? Of like, but do we know like when they started to kind of clear out of downtown Ottawa? It was, it wasn't kind of off and on. They cleared out, but they came back and they cleared out again. Are they even still like? Are they gone to this day? I think they're gone. But they're talking about going back. Right. There is ongoing conversation on social media of of right continuing. So on February the seventeenth is the day that Tamara Lich and Chris Barber are arrested. Um. There's video footage online of Chris Barber being taken by the police. Um, so they're taken. And then on February the 18th, the following day, Pat King is arrested as part of a larger arrest in downtown Ottawa. Um, Lich and Barber are both charged with counseling to commit mischief. Barber's also charged with counseling to disobey a court order and counseling to obstruct police. I don't want to deviate too far from our timeline, but I do want to just quickly jump into... What happened to them? Are they still in jail? Uh, what's the overall outlook right now for, for those three? So from a CBC News article, she was arrested February 17th and charged with counseling to commit mischief shortly before the major push by police to clear out the remaining protesters who occupied downtown Ottawa streets. Litch remained in custody and was denied bail on February 22nd, but then appealed, leading to a March 2nd bail review hearing. The original judge, judge said she was not convinced Lich would go home and stop her alleged counseling. Obviously, this woman has been doing this for years. Like, this is, yeah, of yeah. course, she's going to continue to lead these things. That's her yeah. life's calling, clearly. <laughs> yep. Um, but she was bailed, right? Yeah, she, uh, well, this article was written on March 7th. So she was in jail for a while, a while, couple weeks, at least. Yeah. What happened to good old Chris Barber? Looks like he was released and ordered to leave Ottawa. <laughs> you are banished. You must leave and never come back. Cool. <laughs> Can you blame him? No. 
Barbara is facing four criminal charges. They are counseling to commit mischief, counseling to disobey court order, counseling to obstruct police and mischief that interferes with the use and enjoyment of property. It looks like he was let out very shortly after his arrest. Okay. Maybe he has a good lawyer. Mm. So in terms of Pat King, uh, it looks like he's still in jail. He's been denied bail. Um, they are convinced he's just going to keep doing what he was doing. Um, he also has quite a history of racist comments in videos on social media, it looks like. So I think with him, there's potentially a little bit more concern about him inciting uh, violence in the vein of white supremacy. Uh, there's, there's quite a lot of evidence, it looks like, to back up his involvement at the very least in in white supremacist groups okay so from fortune.com in an article entitled pepper spray tow trucks and bitcoin seizures how canada finally ended the week-long freedom convoy protests in ottawa so this was on sunday so the article is written on february 21st they're referencing sunday on sunday the streets surrounding the canadian parliament in ottawa were free of protesters and the first and the trucks for the first time since january <clears throat> So on February 20th, that sounds like it was the first day that the streets of Ottawa were cleared from the convoy, at least for now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that went on for a good long time. Uh, anything you want to add here? Uh, yeah, should we talk about the bank counts? Yes, so that's what I was going to get to next, because on February 18th, the bank accounts started getting frozen. So let's get into that. Why don't you tell us... A bit about that yeah so the reports i don't know how many but the reports i've read in the news have been up to eight million dollars in funds and 200 accounts okay yeah that's a pretty large number of people having their entire bank accounts frozen so this is um part of the emergencies act that right. gets put into place so justin trudeau called for the emergencies act yeah and this gave them the ability to go to extraordinary measures right. to end the emergency, which <laughs> means messing with people's bank accounts, apparently. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this was tricky because, like, when it came to the GoFundMe, that was kind of understandable, right? Like, it was it, GoFundMe themselves. Right. And this this is a different situation entirely because if you're going to allow the government to get involved with your money when you're doing something disruptive or when you're protesting. You well, know, we that... all hope, at least in North America, we all hope that bank accounts are private, that you right. have a right to your money. Right. And this could happen on any end of the spectrum, right? Like if we're going to allow this to happen uh, to leaders on the right and the conservative demographic, it's going to happen to leaders on the left as well. Like it's it's a very drastic yeah. measure to to start locking people's money up. So to read from Canada.ca, the official Canada.ca, if you look up the Canada's Emergencies Act, it says, it defines a national emergency as an urgent, temporary, and critical situation that seriously endangers the health and safety of Canadians. And this has to be nationwide. Yeah. So people are kind of questioning right now if Justin Trudeau was right to pass this because it was... Not nation. The convoy was nationwide, but the disruption was pretty much only in Ottawa, for one. The convoy was nationwide in a sense, right? It but was. It, but it wasn't. It, it it was not happening across the country in the way that it was. And yeah, the yeah. The, the disruption was to to the government in Ottawa. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. 
And so it, it wasn't, and it certainly wasn't, I don't think there's a lot of evidence that it was at risk of the safety of Canadians. I think maybe part of the logic was that like money was coming in from across Canada. Sure. Right. So they probably needed to, I mean, in their mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the government has a right to some extent to make sure that the country is operational, right? Right, yeah. They, and then they need to make sure that the bridge is cleared. Like, that's that's within their, I think, within their jurisdiction to make sure that people aren't blocking the bridge <laughs> to the United States. Yeah. That's important. But uh, it was, yeah, whether or not it was a national emergency, a national emergency for the safety of the people, is questionable in my mind. I agree. Yeah. yeah. It was certainly a fucking problem. Like, yeah, and, yeah. and this is where we have to get nuanced about it because um, there was a lot of problematic shit happening. There was a lot of very insensitive shit happening yeah, in yeah. Ottawa. People were being racist. People were being dicks, right? Like huge, huge dicks. Yeah. But at the same time, that was not everybody and um aside from like what looked like just a few like there was certainly a couple things there was one um incident where somebody tried to light an apartment building on fire and oh, then really i didn't hear about that one right yeah somebody it, it was caught on camera the security cameras of the apartment building so the someone from the convoy came into the apartment building um and lit a fire in the it's, it's not funny lit a fire in the um in the lobby. Holy shit. And uh, I think then tried to barricade the door on his way out to lock people in the building. So that, nice. so that's like an incredibly violent thing to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. in light of sort of things like that happening, um, we don't want to minimize in any way. No, no, no. The harm caused. Right. Um, but I guess what we're, what we're questioning here is like, wh to what extent should people be allowed to disrupt in order to protest? Because, you know, if yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. If you're gonna, if you believe in the right they to protest, they were doing things illegal, mm -hmm. and to some extent, to some extent, their rights as people were encroached upon, but to some extent, they were also encroaching upon the rights of others. Right, and that's important to acknowledge. So there's two sides to that. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about their rights getting encroached because that's you know a matter of a bit of a matter of opinion, right? Like yeah, yeah. we're now we're talking about it's easy to kind of compare these protests to like the BLM protests um, and like how the, how that was handled. And, um, yep. and with the BLM protests, when we're talking about like what was being protested, it was like black people being murdered by the police at an alarming rate. Um, but that was a theme that encompassed a, like a larger issue and sure, more yeah. political problems right and so we're talking about that and then now we're talking about a group of people who feel oppressed because of the mask mandates right and that's yeah. a very fucking different conversation than like yeah, systemic yeah. racism yeah yeah and police brutality it's just not the same yeah. but these people very much feel that they are being oppressed and so they are comparing these protests to the BLM protests, right? They are like... Yeah, I, I wouldn't make that comparison myself. Mm -hmm. No, I of course not. I think, I think it's a protest of a different nature. Yeah. Yeah. But they are kind of coming from that perspective of like our rights have been infringed yeah, upon. Yeah, sure. And that's what I, I guess I want to understand. Like, right. is there legitimacy to that claim? Like, my first gut reaction is no. But I, I do want to give it more space than that because I think we need to understand each other's opinions more. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's kind of it's kind of complicated. So the government 
has a right to make sure the com- country is operational. And so if there's legitimate evidence that making sure people are vaccinated to leave and enter the country, make sure the, com- the country doesn't dissolve into chaos, you know, I don't know, I don't think most people in Canada disagree with that mandate. We were all vaccinated here. We believe in making sure things are things are orderly and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And the people that believe in not wearing masks and not taking vaccines, these, as Justin Trudeau said, they are rather a minority. However, um, I think they do have some points. And it's worth noting that Brian Peckford, a person who helped write the Charter of Rights, for Canada, had some real issues with what the government was doing with regards to, well, encroaching on people's human rights. And so in Act 2 of, or Section 2 of the Charter of Rights, individuals have a right to expression. And something that I found really interesting was that in in the same interview where Justin Trudeau was like kind of going against this freedom convoy, he says... These people have unacceptable views, Mm. verbatim. That's what he says. These people have unacceptable views. Okay. That's a big red flag. Yeah, and it's a big, like, overarching statement as well. Right. Yeah, Yeah, like, what views exactly do they have? And who are these people? Yeah, they have many Mm -hmm. different types of views, and there are many different types of people. Yeah. We have freedom of expression. Like, whether or not you're a communist or a Nazi, you have the freedom to believe those things in Canada. Yeah. That is part of your right as a human being. Mm-hmm. And not only can you believe it, but you can express it. To some degree. We do have some anti-hate speech laws yeah, yeah, here yeah, in yeah. Canada. Of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not supporting putting a Confederate flag on your truck. But right. you can do it. It's legal to do that. Okay. So I'm curious, like, what is illegal in canada in terms of uh hate speech like when does when are when are we getting into the realm of what's illegal i can look this up as well yeah i I don't i don't entirely know and i'm not i'm not a lawyer (laughs) so and you know i I, to some extent that's that's what we have the court system for is to kind of decide quote hate speech laws in canada include provisions in the federal criminal code as well as statutory provisions relating to hate publications in three provinces and one territory the criminal code creates a criminal or creates criminal offenses with respect to different aspects of hate propaganda, although without defining the term hatred. Those offenses right. are decided in the criminal courts and carry right. penal sanctions such as fines, probation orders, and imprisonment. It's, it's ultimately up to a judge. And it says here, Alberta, British Columbia, Saskatchewan, and the Northwest Territories have created civil sanctions for hate speech and hate publications in their human rights legislation. Right. Okay, so that's... A little hairy. It's not a bit, super a bit clear. Hairy. Yeah. Well, let, let's just say that you can wave a Confederate flag, but if you say "I hate you because you're black," yeah, that's hate speech. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right, and also just uh, like encouraging people to like join in your mentality sounds like it could be yeah, yeah, grounds yeah. for um, yep. So in that way, you know, there are people in the convoy who are doing that, um, like Chris Barber, one of the leaders and you know clearly we know this um i'm from saskatchewan it's it's a very conservative place the prairies are very conservative we do have a lot of alt-right groups there and far-right groups there um you know like when i crossed the fucking alberta border not that long ago just driving between edmonton and saskatoon um there was a literal huge billboard that said 
liberal U-turn, um, go back to where you came from, something along those lines. Oh, like a huge billboard was invested yeah. in and put up between the border yeah. to warn people from Saskatchewan to leave if they were liberal. Yeah. So it's present there, right? Yeah, and yeah. also Jason Kenney. Um, I want to say that my experience as a Canadian is that Canadians usually aren't like that. We usually are pretty respectful and tolerant. Yeah. Even the left is pretty center left and even the right is very center right. Yeah. And and I guess what I'm what I'm just trying but to But that ta- definitely exists for sure. What I'm trying to talk about is that uh you know, a lot of these organizers are from those provinces. Yeah, yeah. And they are involved like the Maverick Party in western separatist groups that yeah. very much um are far right and alt yeah. right. And so these and there are, there are rightfully laws in place to protect people. Yeah. Yeah. So how did this get... How did we get here? How did this become the absolute dumpster fire that it became? I have an answer for you. Okay, please. You ever hear of Mark Zuckerberg? <laughs> Little Zuck Zuck? <laughs> uh, I have heard of him. Yeah, he's... Um... Keeps a low profile, but I mean... Uh-huh. So let's talk about Facebook and social media briefly. I'm not going to go super deep yeah, into this. I don't know how the Facebook algorithm works. I know a little bit about how the Facebook algorithm works. I'm a software developer, so just um, okay. I have a computer science degree. I speak on this as like, a, you know, a bit of an expert. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm just trying to yeah. say that I'm not like you, an you, asshole on the internet. You have like... a little bit of an authority on this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so the way that I have understood that the Facebook algorithm responds, um, and I listened to a podcast recently behind the bastards on Facebook specifically, they took two episodes and really, uh, deep dove into the algorithm. So a lot of what I'm saying here is kind of from what I learned there. Um, so Facebook favors anger in their algorithm. And the way that they do this is, um, you can respond to messages, pictures, whatever the fuck people post with different emojis, right? And one of the things you can respond with is the angry face emoji. And I think with Facebook, there's only like five that you can use. Nice. Like with Instagram, in Instagram messages or whatever, you can respond with whatever emoji. Um, and you can't respond with emojis at all in your feed on Instagram. But on... F- right. You can leave a comment, but you can't right. leave an emoji response. And the emoji response on Facebook... There's five of them or something like that. And one of them is the angry face. And this angry face emoji is like majorly favored by the algorithm. So when people hit that button, that post starts getting circulated further than it was before to people that um, are friends with the person that liked it. So basically what that means is that Facebook favors anger because what they know is that when people are angry, they share more and they stay on the platform more. And they continue to react and have responses that keep them on the app and keep them sharing things on the app that are going to make other people angry. And it's actually a really pernicious feedback loop of just like when we see anger, we incite more anger. That's how Twitter works too. Sure. Yeah. This largely like social media is there to keep you on the app. They don't give a fuck how they're doing it. Right. Right. It's not an ethical place. Facebook, social media. No. So um, that's. Part of how these things get blown up um, on Facebook, they people get mad and, and it spreads yeah. like fire. Um, yeah. So how did Zuckerberg respond? Once again, Mark Zuckerberg is in the position of having to answer questions from Congress. <laughs> the poor man. 
from fastcompany.com. I've never heard of this news outlet. Um, Freedom Convoy Crisis. Congress wants answers about Facebook's role in the trucker blockade. Lawmakers are worried foreign actors are using the platform to manipulate and grow the blockade. It looks also like there was a blockage, a blockage at the Alberta-Montana border. So it sounds like a number of borders were involved. Nice. So Congresswoman Carolyn B. Maloney writes, quote, I am concerned by reports that stolen and fake accounts on Facebook are behind large-scale organizing and fundraising efforts related to a blockade in Canada that has impacted vital U.S.-Canada border crossings and cross-border trade. These reports are particularly alarming given Facebook's history of amplifying toxic content, extremism, and disinformation, including from Russia and other foreign actors. Although organizations representing American truckers have condemned the blockade, similar convoys are reportedly being promoted by Facebook accounts to occur in the United States. So they're worried. Yeah. And this doesn't have anything about what Zuck says. Does he, does he go on video or does he write something? I thought he had. You know, maybe it's just a bunch of people posing questions to him and he hasn't said anything yet. I mean, he's in the U.S. He doesn't need to answer the Canadian Congress. Well, this was American Congress. Oh, this was American yeah. Congress. Okay. Well, because it blocked the American border. Oh, right, right. They were pissed too, oh, okay. right? Like... <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um. This is just a lot of Zuck being like, we'll meet with you later and we'll chat, you know, like he's just clearly not, he's not very loose lipped (laughs) at the moment. So there's a letter here that I'm finding um, from the Congress of the United States House of Representatives to Mark Zuckerberg on February 14th, 2022. Um, Just quote part of the article, uh, sorry, part of the letter. According to recent reporting, a Missouri woman's Facebook account was hacked and stolen as far back as October 2021, and hackers then used the account to create some of the largest Facebook groups organizing the blockade in Ottawa and Canada. Sorry, in Ottawa, Canada. Between January 26th and 28th, 2022, the account launched launched several Facebook groups that grew to include more than 340,000 combined members and has attracted online support from far-right groups. These Facebook groups were used to raise millions of dollars in funds. So, in response to recent concerns, Meta, Facebook's parent company, has stated that it has removed dozens of Facebook groups and pages related to the Freedom Convoy Mm. that were run by spammers who, quote, used abusive tactics to mislead people about the origin and popularity Mm. of their content to drive them to off-platform websites. However, it is unclear whether inauthentic behavior related to the Freedom Convoy is continuing to occur on Facebook and whether other inauthentic behavior is continuing despite Meta's broader efforts. And I guess probably still continuing. Yep. Yeah, so... I'm glad I'm not on Facebook. I don't need any of that. Me too. Although Instagram is very much owned by Facebook. Yeah, that's true. So what else do we want to talk about? Uh, I still want to talk about Canadians' rights, for sure. Let's go. Okay, so there's a conversation with the Freedom Convoy about basic human rights. That's why it's called the the Freedom Convoy. It's the the freedom of your individual human rights. And a lot of it is in the Canadian Charter of Rights, which is like the American Constitution of sorts. 
Uh, it's fairly new, the Charter of Rights, but there's already kind of discussion about whether it's been encroached upon by the government. And so one of, some of the rights include mobility, the right to travel between Canadian provinces and outside the country and back into the country. This is a basic human right, the, the right of migration, right? You have a right to move. Well, <laughs> not if you're not vaccinated, right? Okay, so obviously there are extenuating circumstances regarding the pandemic where we have to make exceptions for some of these rules. But another problem that I hear a lot of people voicing about the Liberal Party and Justin Trudeau is that they have no clear map or end in sight for when the restrictions will lift and we'll get our rights back, right? And so it's just, you have to wear masks and that's it. It's not, there's no date and sign we need to stop wearing masks, maybe in certain scenarios, but at large. And there's no clear data. Well, we're enforcing, forcing you to get a vaccine to enter and leave the country now, but this will end when the pandemic has died down in five months. And keep in mind, we're already two years into this. It's already dying down. Um, there's not the evidence about whether it's shaking up again with Omicron and what have you is, is somewhat there, but it's a little bit shaky. And so the fact that they're introducing yet more restrictions and more laws is a little, a little bit questionable. Mm -hmm. And just note that a lot of the provinces and cities where a lot of these mandates are made, they're made at, are they made at the provincial or the municipal level? I think provincial, because it was always out here. It was always uh, Stephen McNeil yeah. letting us know what was going on. It wasn't Mike Savage. I think a little bit both. I think they're made at both provincial and federal levels. But yeah. what I'm trying to say is that um, right now, as of March 20th, um, a lot of the mandates provincially are going to be lifting around yeah. Canada, yeah, but yeah. federally they're not. Right, right, right. And that's what you're saying is there's yeah, no yeah, yeah. federal end in sight. Yeah. Yeah. And that has some reason to be concerned because people want people want some answers, right? That wh when am I going to get my basic rights of assembly back? That's mm -hmm. another one. Uh -huh. ba basic rights of travel, basic rights of expression, these sorts of things. I think the Freedom Convoy has, so I'm not very conservative myself, but I think they have some some case for. And that hearing them is a good idea instead of just being like, you're yeah. an alt-right fascist. No. I didn't like Justin Trudeau's like response where he was like, I refuse to talk to the leaders of That's the convoy. That's not how Canadians do things. Yeah. That, it just doesn't That's make... That's just not us. What, we, what's not we, us we hear each other out right well we, talk, we try to respect each other right? i mean that's what i wish we would do but right, I, I don't exactly. know if that's what we do right right i think that we have all as an, i'm saying as a as an identity as sure Canadians, we hope we do that right well i think but you know what's happened over the last couple of years is we've all devolved into like a very um everyone's on one side or the other and people don't yeah, listen yeah. to each other and people yeah, really yeah. want to just say well if you don't agree with me then you are not a person that i'm going to talk to and like right in well, it's a, a real time issue. it's a real fucking issue and in a time like this 
in 2022, the planet is literally dying. We don't want to talk to each other. We're going to have to figure out how to talk to each other, period, right? And like if Justin Trudeau wanted to have movement on this thing, he should have tried to communicate with some of the organizers. Like it's just basic fucking common sense. Like refusing to talk will do nothing. Trying to talk might do something. Right. So you're basically saying I'm going to not take that small chance or whatever level of chance it is. These are a big, big portion of your working class and you're just going yeah. to ignore them? Right, exactly. It's not a good idea. And this isn't us defending their views. This is us saying yeah, that like you Yeah, I don't you've agree. Got... I think you should get vaccinated and I think you yeah, should wear a mask. Yeah, exactly. But, but like when a huge group of protesters comes, it, it is sort of up to the government to... Hear them out. Hear them out. That That's the point of protesting, right? Um, and if we're not, if the government can just ignore us like that, we know that they do this, right? We know that protests often don't have a lot of outcome that's positive. It's, it's often just a lot of work for, to get ignored, right? Um, so this happens, the the more we ignore people on the right, the more that the left will get ignored. This is not a consequence that only exists for people on the right. And that's why this is important because this is everybody. You don't want more division than is necessary. Not at a time like this. Not ever. But, yeah. um, yeah, we, we do need to talk to people we don't agree with so that we can try to find some solutions. And the absolute blatant refusal to do that, I'm like, you're the leader of the country. And just to, just to make very clear, because a, a lot, of, again, there's a lot of accusations about the Freedom Convoy being anti-science. Yep. Right. And the conspiracy theorists. Sure. J- Justin Trudeau called them conspiracy theorists. Yeah, which so is like... So a semi-fair assessment and somewhat yeah somewhat another thing i want to point out is seems to me in my estimation in my research that they're not necessarily against vaccines at all yes they're not necessarily against masks at all they're not necessarily against limiting migration at all they're against that it's still happening two years after the fact that the pandemic started Uh uh-huh right and that there's no end in sight for the laws is that they want the pandemic laws to end right yeah and like unpopular opinion but there are people out there that did have really adverse reactions to the vaccine and there are people out there who have health conditions and couldn't get the vaccine and there's no special considerations for that subgroup of people and that's a problem right like if you have a physical illness that prevents you from getting the vaccine but you suddenly don't have your rights anymore to travel like ever again with no end in sight like, yeah, there's, and that may not be the, the major demographic of people, but that yeah. is a demographic of people that yeah. is fighting for um, these mandates to be lifted or to be changed in some way that can be more inclusive to certain to specific situations. Yeah. And let's say that, you know, you, you are a trucker from, from Manitoba and you make your living as a trucker. And you are a conspiracy theorist and you believe that the vaccine is evil and the government wants to control you, so on and so forth. Well, you have the freedom and the Charter of Rights of belief. You can believe that if you want to. Mm -hmm. You also have, per the Charter of Rights, the freedom of travel. You can still have your job as a trucker if you want to, per the Charter of Rights. And if the government suddenly out of nowhere says, well, actually, we changed our mind. You need a vaccine to be a trucker. And suddenly you have no job for two months because of the amount of time it takes to get vaccinated. What right. else are you going to do but drive to Ottawa? Right. What else are you going yeah, to do? Yeah, you're bored at home. You're angry. You, you feel, have no fo- yeah. money, no job. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, it really does. Uh, it's it's not necessarily a, a surprise that we ended up right, there. right, exactly, yeah. exactly. So I'm I'm curious what you think about like how could they have handled this? Because I think what I also keep coming back to is um, that this is an unprecedented event, yeah, the pandemic, right? And yeah. um, world leaders across the globe have not known what to do or how yeah. to handle it and extremely yeah. respectable world leaders um you know what could they have done could they have implemented these emergency measures mm-hmm. um in a different way my personal opinion is that the emergency act was the wrong, the wrong but the way. emergency act like let's just be really clear what we're talking about is in response to the convoy the convoy so it's not that's not what the convoy's protesting because that wasn't even there until the convoy happened right the convoy is protesting the original mandates for covid right for masks and vaccines and as a result of the, the major disruption that occurred from the convoy that's when the emergencies act was put into place right so my question is twofold. First, do you feel like the government should have handled the mandates differently? Is that even possible with all of the unknowns that were in the air to sort of do it better? There, there could have been a larger discussion about what the mandates meant and if they were necessary. Mm-hmm. They, they seemed a, a bit headstrong in them. You know, once again, about like 80 to 85 percent of all Canadians are vaccinated and you're not going to get much better than that. Yeah. And so putting in place more mandates for more vaccines is I'm not I'm just not sure how reasonable that is because most countries in the world can't can't even get to 85 percent. Well, and one really interesting thing about this vaccine is that it doesn't work like other vaccines. Like you get vaccine for a chicken pox. You're not going to get the chicken pox, right? right? But you get a vaccine for COVID, you can still get COVID, which yeah, is yeah. actually allowing and, COVID. And spread it. You're actually allowing the virus to mutate in your body where you have these antibodies like ready to fight right. it. So now the unvaccinated people, are, if they get hit with this virus that's mutated in your sort of antibody yes. environment, yeah. it's going to hit them a lot harder because the virus is gaining strength. Yeah, that's kind of where the, in most cases, that's like a one in a million chance. But I mean, that's how viruses evolve. Yeah, and that's why we have the... I think the reason I'm bringing this up, though, is just that um, they can't just keep telling us to get vaccines indefinitely. Right, like when does it end? When does it end? When does it if end? the vaccine yeah. doesn't really work the way a vaccine is supposed to, right. it, it does work. It does. Let me make that very fucking clear that I right. think the vaccine works very well, but it does not work like other vaccines where it prevents you from getting the illness outright. Well, the vaccine is actually a vaccine for a different illness. It's a, it's a, it's a vaccine, if I'm understanding correctly, for a different type of coronavirus. Okay. And that makes you immune to other types of... Well, it makes you more likely to fight other types of coronavirus. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So the, the point that I'm trying to make here is that... Like, so if you get one flu shot, you're not... You're, you're immune against that type of flu, but there's a million types of flus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the point I'm trying to make here is that, like, we're now on, like, our fourth... They're wanting us to get a fourth booster shot, right? And at some, yeah, yeah. At some point, even me, who's had all three vaccinations, I'm kind of like, I don't really know how i feel about continuing to get right vaccinated over and over and over and over and over again with a vaccine that doesn't work 100 percent against 
the virus, right? It's yeah. just... Um, and again, what the, the government has failed to do, the government of Canada has failed to do is to map out when it is going to end. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I'm not saying... Because it's usually like, okay, we'll get a vaccine, but this is just a temporary extenuating circumstance and we're doing this to the end of the pandemic. Well, when is the end of the pandemic right. for Canadians? And again, that's not something the government obviously has any control over. So right. trying, I'm trying to... But some sort of, even if you change it, some sort of roadmap, communicate to your citizens, you know, we're going to do this in these dates and we plan to come out of it out of these dates. Uh-huh. And I, I do think that that was attempted, right? And then it just continued, like... This, it just, yeah, it just kept coming. This is where I, this is where I want to give a lot of space to the people in power because I just feel like they must have been like, really confused about what the best oh, yeah. thing to do was yeah, right yeah. like you know they're they're following their cues from other world leaders they're also in a situation where there's no precedent they're like they're just trying to do their best and i don't think that they necessarily made the best decisions for everybody but i don't think i would have either you know oh no definitely no, definitely not definitely not yeah no it's not to say that every every politician is absolutely corrupt and it's all yeah 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 the system's all working again no they're doing they're doing their best for sure they're doing their best. Um, it wasn't great for everybody, and people got mad. Yes. Um, so what are the federal mandates? The federal mandates are the traveling mandate. So if you get on a plane, you mm -hmm. have to have a vaccine. Um, I thought it was also you could have a negative COVID test, but it almost looks here. Unvaccinated travelers are still required to undergo, undergo the 14-day quarantine, even if they provide a negative test result. So I... It's looking like you can still travel. You just have to isolate. By plane. Mm-hmm. But so, so by land, you just can't? They won't let you isolate? My understanding is if you're a trucker moving in between borders, that you, you need, you need is the that, vaccine. So is that actually a rule, you need the vaccine? Or is it a rule by virtue of the fact that the trucker can't quarantine for 14 days when he gets to the States and quarantine when he comes back for 14 days? That's just not possible. Well, well, exactly. I mean, the, the whole job is of a trucker is you're in and you're out, you're in and you're out, right? You're okay, so, the but, border a lot. but I think this is an important question. Like, is the rule that you can't cross the border or is the rule that you can but have to quarantine for 14 days and then that means you can't do your job? I, I think it's the latter, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's fact check. And this is, I'm looking at the Literal Government of Canada website and the fact that it's not really that clear is a little it's, bit frustrating, right? It's very right? frustrating. I, I personally migrated to Canada four months ago, and it was very, very frustrating. There you was, are a Canadian citizen. I am a Canadian yeah, citizen, yeah. yeah. Um, but there was a, a lot of conflicting information. It looks like I'm reading the unvaccinated travelers entering Canada during COVID-19 webpage on Canada.ca. So this is the official website of Canada. <laughs> it sounds funny to say. Um <clears throat> So you can submit that negative COVID-19 test taken 72 hours before your scheduled flight or arrival at a land border or marine port. Um, so you can also take a COVID-19. So that was a COVID-19 molecular test 72 hours before you arrive at any border, land, sea, air. Um, and then the other option is a negative COVID-19 antigen test taken no more than one calendar day before your flight scheduled into Canada or mm -hmm. land border or marine port. Um, obviously, if your test is positive, you can't 
you can't travel. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to isolate wherever you are. Right. That feels reasonable. Um, Yeah, of course. So, so it's not, just to make it very clear, we're talking about, it is not that you can't cross the border without a vaccine. It's that you have to quarantine for 14 days and truckers are not able to do that. Right. Okay. Right. So this is... But yeah. I mean, that, that, is, that is a rule against crossing, is that you can't cross again. After, Absolutely. Unless, you, you, unless you've waited 14 days. Yeah. But that pretty much ruins the job for a trucker. It fully ruins the job for a yeah. trucker. There's no way for them to operate under that uh, yeah. mandate. Um, so right. that's, as an unvaccinated trucker, yeah. Um, and to note, like, many truckers are vaccinated, right? I think it was, like, a, a very small percentage of truckers that... I think it was as large as 15% were unvaccinated in in Alberta, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that tracks <laughs> in Alberta. Um I know that there are a lot of uh, trucker groups coming out and sort of opposing this convoy. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. this is not the truckers of Canada Unite. This right. Is, <laughs> no, this definitely is not. A, um, you know, the vast majority of them are vaccinated and are, you know, traveling just fine between borders. But uh, according to this article on Global News, a quote from Justin Trudeau, almost 90% of truckers in Canada are vaccinated. Trudeau's government announced in November that all Canadian truckers looking to cross the border from the United States would need to be vaccinated in order to avoid a 14-day quarantine. Thank you. I just wanted to fucking read that somewhere. So in terms of the aftermath and sort of where we're at today as of March 20th, 2022, what's going on? So mostly people have left Ottawa. Yep. And the Freedom Convoy has kind of tamed down a bit. Uh Uh-huh. And things are okay. It seems that they're talking about meeting up again, though we're unsure about if that'll happen, how it'll happen, yeah. if it'll be better, worse uh, situation. The The government hasn't really budged on the laws a lot, though I just read a headline that they, they loosened the blow of the, uh, of, the, of the travel mandates a little bit. So that's interesting. What and, about the, the banks and stuff? And as far as banks go, the reported 200 that were frozen have been unfrozen. And they've been unfrozen for a while. They were only okay. frozen for about a week. Okay. It's alarming that they were frozen at all. But they, yes. were, they were... And a week is a long time to not have access to money. Like, that's yeah. scary. Yeah, that's pretty scary. Yeah. But, yeah, it was 200 people. And after a week, it was they were unfrozen. The RCMP got uh, got involved and they, they ordered the banks to, to unfreeze. Okay. Supposedly. So everyone has their money back. Um, that's better. That's good. That's good. Uh, and obviously, you know, their social media still exists. So these groups yep. are still very much alive. All right. Well, I don't, have we come to any conclusion today? Yeah. Uh, I think that there are truths to all sides of this story. Yeah. And I don't think we should label any one group of people as all evil or all good yeah let's not call the whole group of them nazis um let's not do that let's not do that some of them are legitimate people with families and i'm just gonna go on record and say i don't support this convoy i don't i also don't support i don't support the tactics that they used or i don't support (laughs) locking bridges no i don't being violent i don't support statues i don't support the viewpoints of the maverick party or uh the yellow vests or any of these uh far-right groups at all 
what we're trying to do is have a conversation about the government's involvement. Was it reasonable? Um, did people have a it right? Was, and I think mm-hmm. at some points they overreached. Right. And so, you know, did people have some ground to stand on in being upset about this? Sure. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's what we're trying to get the heart of here because I don't think anyone did this well, you know? Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if they, again, like, for provincial mandates, do you meet in Ottawa? Like, <laughs> right? It, it, there are just certain things about this organization of, of protests that was nonsensical. I mean, the meeting in Ottawa makes sense in terms of the trucker mandate. Sure. But there was a lot of people in this protest that weren't truckers. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. There was a lot of people not affected at all by the trucker mandate made federally. Yeah. And they should have been taking this all up with their provincial leaders who actually make the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates in terms of, like, where you're going. I yeah. think. Um, the point is that uh, they didn't necessarily address the lawmakers that made the laws they had a problem with. And, and that was ill-advised, right? Like, what are you, what are you trying to mm-hmm. do? Um, it's also my hope as a citizen of Canada that we can all vouch for the rights of Canadian citizens. That we can yeah. all respect the rights, whether or not someone has an opposing view to us. That exactly. People have a right to protest. Just, as long as they're not, you know, encroaching yeah. the rights of others. They are being violent, of course. Peaceful protest is allowed in Canada. Yep. And people have a right to travel. Yep. People have a right to assembly. Mm-hmm. People have a right to voice their opinion. Yep. Absolutely. And, I, and as far as that's involved, for any Canadian, I, I support it. Yeah, as long as I do it's too. not breaking the law. I do too, especially as somebody who participated in BLM protests and who um, would like to be able to continue to exercise those freedoms. Like, yeah. you, if you're listening to this and you feel like we're defending them or not, we're defending their right to uh, yeah. get mad at the government. We, we, they have intrinsic human value as people. Yeah, yeah. sorry, they do. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Sorry, not sorry. Everybody, <laughs> everybody counts. Um, right. Okay, well, I don't know what conclusion we can really draw other than it's a mess and maybe it's we... A, it's a very messy situation. We're considering maybe a, a part two or like a further look into this. It would really be nice to sort of lock this up with a bow and know what the fuck happened. But based on uh, how how research we'll went, I don't know if that's possible at this point. Yeah, and it's still very much ongoing. It's ongoing, it ha- it hasn't, yeah. It's unclear whether it's ended per se. So have we like helped the world at all or if we made it. <laughs> we just made a more confusing place <laughs> we made the ba- waters basically nothing here. is certain yeah, be nothing. scared <laughs> we tried our best everyone uh thanks for listening if you got this far I'm very yeah. gra- grateful to have you here yeah <laughs> all right we're gonna sign off then thanks again thanks for being here dylan <laughs> no problem okay